Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Longtime podcast listener asked me over the weekend a really thoughted question. She said, everything looks so crazy and overpriced in the stock market. It keeps going up, though. What should we look at to prepare for the big downturn that always happens? What do you look at? First of all, every market has a peak. And that occurs when virtually everyone becomes a buyer. And making money looks easy and predictable. I think we're at this point, and I'll explain why. The moment I've been waiting for is when all the individual investors look as though they're finally all in in the stock market. At this time, which I will go into why I feel that way. The Fed and the U.S. government are running out their own clocks on their own unsustainable free money strategies. As noted in prior podcasts, the Fed is trapped as they try to execute on their mandate of full employment as the government jacks up debt to pay unaffordable entitlements to the many still unemployed. That's over 12 million Americans, plus millions more who have given up trying to find a job. Please pause from your busy schedules to think about why the stock market is at new all-time highs. It's not that the majority of consumers are better off. It's not that we have full employment or even close. We don't. It's not because the vast majority of private and public companies are growing in profitability. It is because the Federal Reserve is creating massive amounts of new dollars and the federal government hand-in-hand is creating massive amounts of new trillions of dollars of new debt that can never be repaid. In the 08-09 Great Recession, the core issue focused on individuals defaulting on mortgages, second mortgages, car debt, This time, the issue, albeit COVID-inspired, is the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. When their unsustainable strategies of new money and new debt creation even slow down a bit, the economy will again enter another recession, with interest rates moving up faster and the stock and bond markets tanking. When? My bet is that these unsustainable practices will hit the fan either just before or just after this year's end. So, this fall or winter? In the meantime, inflation, which we called as a major threat in these podcasts over a year ago, is now pretty obvious. At the risk of putting modesty aside, we in these podcasts have been warning of the long-term issues in the labor market when almost no media coverage spoke of them. The financial markets, propped up by the Fed, including historically low interest rates, coupled with vast amounts of new government borrowing and government spending exceeding their revenues by trillions of dollars every year, will soon produce a recognizable and terrible endgame for both stock and bond prices. We are near, but how near? Seasoned, large investors on Wall Street have worried about calling a top in the stock market for one historical reason. And no, this time it's not the Federal Reserve. The seasoned, large investors have been waiting for the individual investor to go all in on stocks. This has been a long wait. After 13 long years, the moment has finally arrived. The individual investors now are all in. 
In prior podcasts, we discussed the Buffett indicator, as well as record high valuation metrics, such as price earnings and price to sales ratios, new IPO prices, SPAC money flows, and cryptocurrency moonshots. Allow me to add some really current observations. We now see record highs in investor sentiment, margin debt, and the Buffett indicator. Current valuations are so extreme that the previous extreme in the year 2000 dot-com bubble now looks modest. Back in late 1999, during the dot-com bust setup, it was Cisco Systems and the other dot-com leaders. Today, it's the Fangman stocks. Fangman, F-A-N-G-M-A-N, is Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and NVIDIA. These seven stocks account for almost 30% of the Standard & Poor's 500 up move in recent years. And it's almost impossible to find stock market newsletters that don't recommend moving stock portfolios into them right now, big time. They are expected and assumed to continue leading the overall stock market higher and higher. It's almost impossible to deny that average people who have never traded stocks are all in and supremely confident they can't lose. When 20-year-old college students are trading based on a genius 22-year-old friend's advice, retail is all in, the retail investor. When a worker cleaning a wooden deck pauses to put $100,000 into a company stock he knows nothing about, and this is a true story, retail investors are all in. When Robin Hood's millennials and there are 31 million of them with the average age of under 30, focus on money gaming versus investing, now controlling $80 billion in Robinhood, moving into and out of stocks based on tweets and herding behaviors, we have an indicator that says, all in to me. 50% of Robinhooders use the trading app daily, and 90% use the app weekly. Hardly the behavior pattern of investors. Consider that the average account size is only two or three thousand dollars, but the total investment funds, as I mentioned, now exceeds eighty billion dollars. That's a lot of gaming activity in both the stock and crypto markets. Somewhat related are the so-called mem stocks, and those are stocks that see sudden and dramatic surges thanks to social media hype, and these are names like GameStock, AMC, and Virgin Galactic, among others. But the real driver of retail investors going all in is the complete collapse of risk or moral hazard. The Fed will never let the market go down is not a mem. It's an article of faith. Supported by 13 long years of ceaseless Fed intervention and stimulus, all in service of elevating the stock market. Since all evidence supports the secular religion, stocks never go down because the Fed will never let them go down. The trick is to rotate into the next blowout winner or buy the dip in big tech or buy a mem stock. And since something is always shooting up like a rocket, the way to become a millionaire is simply buy what's hot and buy the dip. In this secular religion, nothing else matters. All the old stuff is just a distraction. Such things as price earnings ratios, valuation, cash flows, future earnings, none of that old stuff matters. Technical analysis is also a waste of time. Just buy the dip and rotate into what's hot, and the millions just pile up on their own. 
Every generation that experiences a speculative mania feels it's unique. This is the pattern that repeats. There's nothing unique about the pattern. The confluence of forces driving the mania to unprecedented heights is so obviously unique and uniquely powerful, it's literally crazy not to grab a board and ride the wave to riches. What the newly minted millionaires don't understand is that they're the bag holders. Wall Street has been patiently waiting for the retail investors to go all in so the pros can sell all the overvalued stocks to the euphoric trusting retail traders who will continue to buy the dip and rotate into the next hot mem stock until their fortunes have dwindled down to spare change. The con, I call it, requires euphoric confidence that stocks only go up forever and every retail trader is confident in their ability to ride the wave to riches. We're finally at that summit of euphoric confidence, in my opinion, where faith in the Federal Reserve is literally a religious experience. Robinhood going public is another indicator of a peak, like Coinbase going public based on Bitcoin's exponential rise. Stocks never go down is absolutely true, until they do go down. Every share of stock ends up in somebody's account, and the ideal bag holder is one who adds more on every downturn by the dip, and who refuses to sell. Elon Musk commented on his diamond hands holding Bitcoin. Sounds great, right? Holding on for the inevitable Fed-fueled rally to new highs. This is how accounts were, are, and will be destroyed. And the wreckage isn't just financial. The scars of being a bag holder can last a long time. But Wall Street is patient, and a new crop of bag holders eventually catches Fed fever. And the transfer of overvalued stocks to a new generation of bag holders will play out according to the same script. As a wrap-up on this podcast, please allow me to remind all of some federal government spending basics. First of all, Total revenues taken in, taxes, fees, by the federal government are about $3.5 trillion a year. Of the 3.5, about $1.6 trillion is from the personal income tax, and just under $0.3 trillion is from corporate income tax. Most of the remaining $1.6 trillion comes in from payroll taxes to fund Medicare, Social Security, and related. However, these payroll taxes actually do not cover the benefits paid out as they are over $1.9 trillion, which all by itself creates a $300 billion deficit just in Medicare and Social Security related. Secondly, in 2020, federal government expenditures exceeded $4.6 trillion, and that includes the aforementioned deficit in Social Security and Medicare. So we spent $4.6 trillion, we took in $3.5 trillion, and the deficit was well over a trillion dollars, and this year the deficit is expected to be three times that, as it will be next year, about three times that, because of the additional spending on entitlement programs, while the revenues will do well to stay about the same. A key part of the expenses in the federal expenditures is under the category of interest expense on the government debt. In 2020, it was about $400 billion, and the interest rates paid were just about 1.5%. 
this debt is now quickly climbing to $30 trillion. So just consider that a modest 3 or 4% interest rate, which is historically still very low, but it's higher than 1.5%, would produce interest expense of double or triple that of last year. So we already have an operating deficit of $1.1 trillion, and we will have an overall deficit of $3 trillion. And now when interest rates go up, we will have another trillion dollars or so as the deficit coming from the interest expense. At a 4% interest rate, just the interest on the national debt would consume about three quarters of all the personal income tax collected. Why is this important beyond what we just mentioned? The hope has been with the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury Department that higher net worth would stimulate a wealth effect under which people would spend more money on consumption. In other words, to the degree that we feel wealthier, we'll spend more. With the stock market constantly hitting new highs, a number of stockholders are definitely wealthier. It's a very small percentage of the total population, but add to that home prices. As home prices hit new highs, importantly due to low interest rates, there's a higher wealth effect. Add to that the mutual funds that are in savings accounts and retirement plans many people own. The wealth effect has been quite positive. Bond prices have been up, stock prices have been up, and the mutual fund investments in real estate have been up. At a turning point, when interest rates do increase, all of these areas turn into negatives. The wealth effect becomes negative. People seeing a declining stock market and declining home prices, which again we've seen many times through many cycles, results in more savings, less consumption, less growth, less new jobs. So this is very important how all the factors have been put together, importantly by the Fed and the federal government, to create an environment where asset prices have gone up, 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 up to the point where virtually everyone is betting they'll continue. And that's the point when major trends can be expected to change. So please give this thought. Protect yourselves. Be vigilant. Be careful. And we'll hope to see you next podcast. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornaden. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.